Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Grace Marietta. Um, yes, my name is Benton Cranford, and uh, I have been a part of Grace for some time now, uh, and I've gotten to actually pray with, with Carol back in the old Snellville days. And just so you know, um, we have a prayer team here that has been praying for you not only on Wednesdays, but every Sunday morning. We come in here and we pray. We have some time together uh, in another room to be praying for you. And so uh, we believe that God is going to move this morning, and we are excited about that. Uh, again, name is Benton. I'm a fellow here at Grace Marietta, and you've probably heard me say this already. Uh, you can call me fellow. If you can't remember Benton, I'm okay with that. Uh, if you want to call me Phil in or just Phil for short, I'm okay with that because I am filling in uh, for Meredith, who is helping out in our next generation. She will be back in March, uh, and so get excited uh, about that, about her being here. So you can call me Phil if you would like. Um, not many people know what a, a fellow is, uh, and so I have to explain it, and I'm, I'm saying it's kind of like a, I'm the pastor in training, and so if you want to call me the pit for short... <laughs> I'm okay with that as well, all right? I'm, I'm cool. If you can't remember Benton, you can go fellow, Phil, or the pit. I'm good with all of those things. Uh, my wife and I have loved being here at Grace Marietta. We have our two kids, Judah and Jones, downstairs. And Judah uh, has had some amazing conversations about God downstairs in the kids' area. On his way home from Grace Marietta, Meg was driving one day with him, and he asked this question. He said, Mom, is Jesus in your heart? And she said, yes, I do trust in him and he's in my heart. Is Jesus in daddy's heart? And she said, yes. And then Meg said, do you want him to be in your heart? I'm thinking, once I'm hearing this story, I'm like, oh my goodness, we're about to baptize our kid next Sunday at four years old. I'm so excited. His response was, no. And I was like, wow, okay, we, we got a lot of work to do. Yikes, that was a pretty fierce no that I heard. And he said this, which I, I think is profound, and I, I, I love this response, and I'm so proud of this response. And she said, why don't you want him in your heart? And he said, because I don't know him. And I thought to myself, what an amazing answer. What an honest answer for, from a four-year-old. And she said, do you want to get to know him? And he said, yes, absolutely. So every night we have these questions. Is God bigger than my chair? Is God bigger than this house? Is God bigger than me? Wow, that's, that's amazing. Just this past weekend on Sunday, his, his journey with Jesus has really sped up recently. Our youngest Jones was in the car and he was crying. And Judah, and this is from the amazing kids team, I mean, this me being a parent, I'm not really, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to parent right now, just keep, keep the kid alive, uh, much less trying to figure out his spiritual maturity right now. So it's got to be the kids team, it's got to be the Holy Spirit, it's probably my wife as well. He's, he sees Jones crying, he says, God be with you, God be with you. I mean, reaching out a hand, extending a hand, I was like, man, that is so scriptural and crazy and wild how your journey has changed, uh, and so now we're praying for Jones to, to receive that as well. But I do think that is the crux of it. 
That's the key question in all of this. We're going to look at a value called hearing the whisper. It is something here that is unique at Grace Marietta, is hearing the whisper of God, but it comes with something really powerful, and that is the thought that my son had, and that is, do you know him? Do you know him? It was amazing. The prayer team actually came in here, and they were reading some scripture that lines up with this perfectly. The the thought of, do you just know about him, or do you know him? experientially do you have a conversational relationship with God as Dallas Willard talks about in his book hearing God there's a difference between knowing about him and actually knowing him I used to ask our students all the time what is the biggest problem in the world and they would say world hunger or Kanye West And I'm like okay well I don't know what to say to that some would even say sin sins the biggest problem in the world But as we started looking at scripture, we recognized that sin is a symptom of something else. And that is a broken relationship with our God. That is the lack of knowing him. And there's this passage that ties these two things together of hearing the whisper and knowing him that I think is so critical before we get into our passage today. And it comes from John 10. And I think we'll have it up on the screen. It says this, my sheep... Hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And actually, when you look at the translation, it's, I know them, and they know me, and they follow me. They trust in me. And I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. This is a key verse that I want us to hold on to as we start looking through these points of hearing the whisper. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. They know me. They follow me. They trust me. I give them eternal life and no one will snatch them out of my hand. The closeness of Christ sharing here of how close that is. No one can get them out of my hand, out of my grasp. And so we're going to be looking at this kind of reality because the crux of hearing the whisper is to know God, not just know about him, not just perform something, but actually know him. Now, Ben has said this about the whisper, and I want to go ahead and start getting in to the points as we begin this journey of what it looks like to hear the whisper. He says this. He says that there is a difference between hearing his word, logos, and hearing the whisper, rhema. Hearing the whisper is internal, and hearing the word or seeing the word is external. And so we're gonna be talking about this whisper that is internal. And I know right on the very onset, if you've been in church long enough, the hearing the whisper internal can be weird. (laughs) It can be a really uh, interesting thing to engage with with other people. I had this happen in college. I was literally sitting in a Chick-fil-A. This guy walked up to this girl and he said, I'm supposed to marry you. And I was like, this is so strange. This is a strange thing that's happening. Or if you remember back in the early 2000s, there was these people that said the world is about to end in 2000. I'm hearing God tell me the world's going to end in 2000 and the world doesn't end. So you're like, okay, this is kind of strange. This is weird. What do we make of it? How do we hear the whisper of God when there are these weird things? And here's what I want to say. One, 
We're going to see that it is scriptural, that when the Bible, the ink ran out, God still speaks and is actually commanding us to actually hear from him, continually hear from him. Uh, But not only that, just because the wrapping and the box of hearing from God doesn't mean the gift itself is bad. I've had plenty of people who don't know how to wrap gifts and cover it in newspaper, but the gift itself is still awesome. And so that's what we're going to look at is the awesomeness of this reality of hearing from God. And let me tell you, the more and more I've gotten to know him, the more I've fallen in love with him. He's the only one. He's the only one that the more you get to know him, the more you fall in love with him. Now, you're probably looking at your spouse, and you're like, yep, the more I get to know you, the less it is that I like hanging out with you. Just kidding. But you do get to know people, and then you get to accept and say, I'm choosing to love you. I'm choosing to love you despite your imperfections, despite the times you frustrate me. But when you come to know Jesus, he is the only one. The more you get to know him, the more you get to be infatuated with him. And I've heard it said that when you hear from God and you have this conversational relationship with God, it is like uh, the world becomes God's playground. And we have a a 10-year-old across the street from us. His name is Wilson. And he comes over to our house or to the, uh, across the street. And my four-year-old Judah plays with him. Sometimes Jones plays with him as well. And he is showing my kids how amazing things are, and they are infatuated with it. And I'm like, that is just a big stick. That's like, there's nothing else big about this or exciting about this. But y'all are infatuated with this. And I think it's the same thing with God. It's like, he's he's the big kid on the playground saying, look at this, look at this, let me show you this, let me tell you about this. Walk with me for a second. You will not believe what is before you. And we get excited and infatuated with that. And so that is my hope for this morning, is that we can begin this kind of conversational relationship with him to know him more. And so for you, wherever you're at this morning, the question is, how do we begin to hear the whisper correctly? How do we begin to hear the whisper rightly? That's the big question this morning. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 1 Kings 19, 1 Kings 19, if you got your phones, you can do that as well, 1 Kings 19, and we are going to look at verse 4, and as you're turning there, I kind of want to summarize where uh, the story is picking up at, and if you remember a few weeks ago, we talked about soak the altar, Ben talked about 1 Kings 18, and there's this story of the prophets of Baal and Elijah. And the prophets of Baal are calling on Baal to do something with this altar. Nothing happens. And then Elijah makes fun of them and says, I think your God must have gone to the bathroom or something. He must not be here today. And then Elijah asks for God to come. And then you see this altar get caught on fire. You see our God represent and show up. And then the prophets of Baal they literally start cutting themselves, trying to perform Baal. Like, if I can do more, maybe Baal will show up. And Baal doesn't show up. And then in 1 Kings 19, Jezebel hears about this with her prophets failing. And she says, I want Elijah killed. And Elijah gets word of it. 
and then he runs and he hides under a tree. He's been on Mount Carmel where he's just seen God do a miracle and now he's under a tree in 19.4. And this is what he says. He says this. It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. It's a, a crazy story. And in James, we actually hear about Elijah himself, and it says that he is someone like us. That we can see these miracles one day, and in the same instance, we get under this tree and we say, it's enough, I give up. And what we're gonna end up seeing with Elijah is that because of his faith at the end of the story, that we can see that we can join in on this as well, that the hope is not run out for us. But we are a man or a woman like him in this way. I've been like this before. There's some Sundays I, I come and, and I worship and, you know, at Snellville, I would do baptisms and I'd get so excited and then I'd go home with my family, have a great meal. I'm like on Mount Carmel. I'm like, yes, God is very much alive. I've seen him move, seen people come to faith. I've seen families restored. This is amazing. You know, and I, I, I you know, hug my kids at, at night. I, I, I say goodnight to them and you know, as I'm getting them ready for bed, I, I get, you know, like a buffalo chicken dip out, you know, like get ready for the night game and the football, Super Bowl Sunday. I'll talk about that in a little bit. But I get so excited. I'm like on the Mount Carmel, you know, and then I come down from putting my kids to bed and then I see my buffalo chicken dip is gone and I look at my dog <laughs> and he's got chicken and orange hot sauce all over his face. And I look at my wife and I'm like, Megan, I need a second. <laughs> and I walk to our room. I put the bidet, I put the, uh, the uh, duvet over my head. <laughs> we, don't, we don't have a bidet, by the way. <laughs> so I didn't do that. It was a duvet <laughs> for clarity. Although I felt like I just should get water in my face. Put the duvet over my head. And I quoted scripture, which was the, you know, Christian thing to do. And I said, it is enough now, Lord. Take my life. I'm just like my father's. My dog has eaten my dip. And some of this, if you're a Falcons fan, struck really at home in 2017, where you were like coming to church, excited, we're in the Super Bowl for once. And then another Atlanta team let us down and you look to the Lord and you're like, it's enough, Lord. I'm tired of these Atlanta teams losing. Go ahead, take away my life. I'm just like my fathers. We are just like Elijah in this. We have these big moments where we see God move and we get excited and then we crash and burn underneath this tree. And he is depressed. And actually, he's suicidal in this moment. There is this moment where we see him at rock bottom. And it is in this moment that the hearing of the whisper begins. And so a point, if you're taking notes, is that we are hearing the whisper in our pain. 
hearing the whisper in our pain. C.S. Lewis says this, I think we have this quote as well. He talks about this pain and hearing God. He said, it, this pain, is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. It's not that God is causing the pain, but that God is redeeming the pain to actually speak to us. Hearing the whisperer in this scenario begins in a painful place. And here's the distinction between the prophets of Baal and Elijah. The prophets of Baal are in pain, and what do they do? They perform their way through the pain. And here's Elijah, and what he does is he looks at God and he says, I I can't do it, God. I need you. And I will tell you, there's so many times in my life that I have done this, and I've seen other people do this as well, that they have these benchmarks in their day or in their life to try to perform their way through the pain. If I can just make enough money this quarter, then the pain will fix itself. If I can just get my kids to bed, then I can have that glass of red wine, and then things will get better. If, if I go to church enough, then I'll actually have friends. If I do enough activities, then someone will notice me and like me, and then I will actually be satisfied. And not that those things are bad things, but the motive of trying to perform our ways through pain, we end up being kind of like the prophets of Baal. But the key distinction is Elijah, he says, I'm in pain. Here is my need, Lord. I am broken. I am taking off. We're talking about a deaf world. I am taking off the performance to hear you. It's kind of like when you talk to a middle schooler and you think you're having an amazing conversation only to find out their earbuds have been in the whole time. It's like, wow, I thought we were connecting. I thought I was speaking to you. I was like, man, I must really be hitting home. And then I see, oh, you've got your earbuds in. And and back in the day when uh, I was doing student ministry in Snellville, they would have the earbuds with the cord, but they would stick the cord in their pocket to actually look like they're busy or listening to something like, i.e., please don't talk to me. But it was not connected to anything. And I think for me, at least, there are times when I see pain or I feel pain or I'm underneath the tree, and I think to myself, if I can just perform my way through it, then it will all change. But let's take something from Elijah here. The depression that we feel, the the pain that we have, the neediness, the brokenness that maybe we don't want to address, that we would take a note from Elijah here and say, I'm admitting, I have this void, I have this pain, I have this need. I'm gonna talk about the prayer stations in a little bit. We've got one that's back there that says, hey, why don't you address whatever that need is that needs to be filled? What's that promise that you're hoping for that you're not getting? Let's address it. And in that place, what we see is that there are more realities of hearing the whisper that happens from this place of pain. So let's continue on and read 1 Kings 19.11 where we see the actual whisper moment happen. It says this in 1 Kings 
Now, he has asked him to move from a tree, then he goes to a cave, and then God calls him out and says, get out of the cave, and look at this. And it says this in verse 11. And he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and there was a great strong wind that tore through the mountains, broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And here it is. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. So you have an earthquake, you have wind, you have fire. You could call it earth, wind, and fire for short, if you would like. (laughs) But there are all these big performances, but God's not in the big performance. There's an earthquake, there's wind, there's fire. God is not there, he is in the whisper. And just practically, there's going to be a lot of points here that I'm going to pull just just from this passage. The first thing about a whisper is that hearing the whisper creates closeness. If you're going to hear a whisper, you got to be close to be able to hear it. And so we see that hearing the whisper creates closeness. And I don't know about you, but I want the loud sometimes. I'm like, I, give me earth, wind, and fire, all right? Let me see that you're real. Let me see that you're there. Let me see what you got going on. Let me see what I'm supposed to be doing here. Give me clarity. Give me direction. Show yourself in earth, wind, and fire. Earthquake, wind, and fire. But there's something unique about this. I was at a worship gathering back in college. And again, I believe in the prophetic ministry. It actually says in scripture to follow this. And there's a guy in college who was at a worship gathering. And he was pointing these things out. He said, you, in the red shirt, go talk to your mom. You, answer that email. You. And I was like, I looked at him, and I, I perceived it like this. Not that this is really what he was doing, but it was like, you over there, go talk to your mother. You, it's like, man, prophetic Superman is on the platform. This is incredible. But at the same time, What I wish would have happened at the end of that conversation was that it would be able to draw close to me and I would learn how to hear from the voice of God. But what ended up happening was a lot of my friends followed this guy on YouTube. Then they were like, hey, I wanna go see him at his next show. And I was like, okay, I feel like we're missing it. Maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm right. And I believe God spoke to this person. I believe God actually healed a lot of people through the speaking of this person. But what I would hope would have happened was that there would be this help on the other side of this that I too would be able to learn to hear the whisper. But what I took from it was like, wow, he can hear from God, I cannot. And what happens sometimes with loudness or earthquake, wind, and fire is it creates distance. Sometimes loudness creates distance where a low whisper creates closeness. Pete Gregg says this in a book on how to hear from God. He says, the earthquake and the wind and the fire, one of the reasons that he comes in a whisper and not in that way is because loudness or external events like that can cause intimidation, domination, and alienation. It also can cause monotony 
and for us to be what is called robotic. Because of this big thing that's happening, it can almost intimidate someone to not engage but stay far away from it. It could also cause monotony in that if we need something, we hope we get an external experience like that all the time. It can also cause us to be robotic where there's, there is this God who is forcing himself on us in this external way. But instead he chooses a low whisper. So we see that hearing the whisper is caused to create closeness that God draws near to the brokenhearted, the painful, the needy. Now there's another point to pull from this verse when it comes to the earthquake, the wind, and the fire, is that hearing the whisper, we recognize he's always speaking in the dullness and in the drama. That God is speaking in the dullness and the drama. He's not just speaking here on Sundays or when you go on a retreat or when you read your Bible. He's speaking when you get coffee, when you're putting your kids to bed, when you're at work, stressed to the max. God is still speaking even in those places. He speaks in the drama, and we'll see what that means in a little bit, but he also speaks in the dullness. Buddy Hoffman, our our founding pastor, he would always talk about this. He says, even in the silence, God is still speaking. In a way that you can actually translate this passage is not just a low whisper, but they say it's the gentle sound of silence. That's the way it gets translated. It's not even just a whisper, it's like the gentle sound of silence. And Buddy would always say, even in the silence, God is still speaking. And he says, how do I know this? He said, there are times when I would come home and I would see Jody, my wife, standing next to the dishwasher and she's looking at me and she's not saying anything with her mouth. But in that moment, I recognize she is saying a whole lot. <laughs> and maybe you've had this interaction where you forget something and I'm so forgetful that Megan doesn't have to even say anything, but I get it. I'm like, oh yeah, I totally forgot to do the dishes. I totally forgot where the key was. I totally forgot to take the trash out. There's so many things that I forget. And Megan doesn't need to say anything. She can just be in the room, silently. And I'm like, you're saying a whole lot. I get it, I totally forgot about this. So even in this silence, we see that God is still speaking. If you feel like you're not hearing from God, God still is saying something. In the 400 years of silence between Old Testament and New Testament, God is still saying something there. So we see that God is speaking in the dullness or the quiet as well as the drama. And we think it's supposed to be this dramatic thing that God's supposed to do in that moment to speak to us. I remember Ben said he was talking to one of his sons and he was like, I don't think I'm hearing from God. And Ben began to ask these questions and this is such a powerful way to have this conversation with your, with your own kids. He says, well, when's the last time you did something kind? And he gave some moments of when he did something kind. And Ben said, well, where did you get that idea from? Where did that originate? Well, you know, yeah, I, I saw some other people do it. It's like, well, even peel that back. Where did they hear that from? And what you begin to do is you begin to ask these questions to peel back, wait a minute, there's something that has been pressed upon me to go do this thing. There's something with kindness and peace and gentleness that we need to probably give God more credit for. 
And in that place, once we start feeling those nudges, then we recognize the whisper a whole lot more in our life when we start giving him credit for things that are even happening in the dullness as well as the drama. Now, I've got a couple more points here, and then I want us to respond in a few different ways. In 1 Kings, we actually go back up to 1 Kings 19, verse 8. I want us to look at where, where are we at in this story? This is what he says, and he rose and he ate and he drank and went in the strength of the food for 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, all the translators say that this Mount Horeb is is known as Mount Sinai. And if you know Mount Sinai, this is where the burning bush was. This is where the Ten Commandments were at. And so in that moment, Elijah, what's he doing? He's expecting God to do what he did in the past, exactly the same. Come on, fire, burning bush, reveal yourself. And it's not there. And so I think there's another point that we need to understand here is that hearing the whisper doesn't always align with our expectations. That we may have some unhealthy, non-holy expectations on who God is and what he's supposed to do. And in that moment... We think that he's supposed to speak one way, and then we get frustrated when he doesn't, when the reality is he is speaking differently than our expectations. Pete Gregg says this, that there are these three expectation distractions. This is more like a teaching than maybe a sermon usually, but I I do think it's helpful for us. We have these three distraction expectations, and I think we have them up here as well. We have three, physiologically, meaning he's not looking like we thought he would. And you think about this when Jesus raises from the dead, Mary thinks he's the gardener, and he's not. Psychologically, we have these hopes of who he think he, we have these hopes of him of who we think he should be. Just like Peter in the garden, he's thinking Jesus is a warlord, and we're about to go to battle, and so he cuts off the ear of the soldier, and Jesus is like, this is not how I'm doing this. This is a different expectation of who I am. And then spiritually, the reality is that we cannot find him on our own strength. We cannot see him unless revealed by the Spirit himself. And so we need to call on the Spirit to say, I need your help to even see that we are dead without him. And so we need his help in hearing the whisper. We need to probably break out maybe of some of these distractions that we have of him. Now, 1 Kings 19, 15, what is this in alignment with? He says this, go and return on your way, meaning go and live out the commission that I've given you from the beginning. The word that I've given you, go live out. And so we see that the hearing of the whisper is in alignment with his word. So there's this word that has been spoken for us by God's grace. We get the Old Testament and the New Testament and we get the word himself, Jesus. And we look and we're saying, oh my goodness, is it his voice or my voice? Is it his voice, my voice, or some other voice? You probably have had these conversations with God before. And in that, we gotta look and say, okay, what is in alignment with his word? And then lastly, it says this in 1 Kings 19, 15 through 18, and this is where I'll end. Band, you can go ahead and come on up. It says this. 
So go on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, you shall anoint Haziel. And then there's another person in 16, and Jehu. And then go see Elisha. And in 17, he said, whoever escapes from these righteous people, put them to death, and the one uh, who escapes from the sword, put them to death. And then it says, and then there will be 7,000 in Israel who have not bowed down to Baal, and every mouth who has not kissed him. And so you see Haziel, Jehu, Elisha, and 7,000 other people when he's returning on his way. And I think this is huge, especially here at Grace Marietta, we have this distinctive, is that we would hear the whisper together. That there is this idea of co-discernment. That when he goes to these guys, he's like, hey, this is what God has told me. And they will respond with, yes, I agree, God has been speaking this, let's do this. That's why I hope when someone says, hey, I think I'm supposed to marry you, hopefully they respond with, well, God didn't tell me that. You know, I hope that's, I hope that's the response. <laughs> or maybe they did. Maybe God told, told them that as well. But in that, that is so key for us because if you think about this tree and cave and this just isolation that Elijah had been living in, he needs this co-discernment from other people when he goes on his way to be like, hey, I feel like I'm coming out of this this pit, I'm coming out of this pain here, and I think God's saying this to me, you know, what do you guys think? And he comes around these righteous people, as God talks about, that did not bow down to Baal, but have still been in reverence to God himself, and he goes up to them, and they discern what the direction is, and if this is correct. And so here's what I want to do. We've been talking a lot about Hear the Whisper or about knowing God or revealing himself, but now I want us to engage and know him. And so we're gonna do a couple of things. We're gonna have the recap of the points on the screen. It may be hard to read. We'll leave them up just for a second. But I wanna ask this. If we're supposed to begin to hear the whisper, how, for today, where is God calling you specifically to hear the whisper? Maybe you've heard the whisper of God before, but just for today even, maybe you've never heard the voice of God. For today, how do you begin to hear the whisper? And I think that God speaks to us even right now. And so looking at these seven points, I want you to kind of read over these as I do as well, and then I'm gonna give us some ways that we can respond in the room. So for you, maybe you wanna begin hearing the whisper internal, maybe you've been hesitant to hear the voice of God and you've just tried to bank on the written word of God. Maybe hearing the whisper in your pain, maybe God wants to address a past pain point or a current pain point that maybe you've been avoiding and, and show you a redemptive way in that. Maybe hearing the whisper being close, maybe you felt like God's been far off. Hearing the whisper in the dullness, maybe you feel like you only hear God if you go on a retreat or read a book or go somewhere on a Sunday, but that maybe he wants to speak to you in the car or while you're making coffee. Maybe it's hearing the whisper not in alignment with your expectations. I wonder if there's some ways that maybe we boxed God in, saying, God, you can only do this, this, this in my life, but don't touch this area of my life. Maybe it's in alignment with his word. Maybe you do have a decision coming up and you're wanting to hear from him and maybe there's been these multiple voices going around in your head. Maybe he's calling you to engage with his word more. 
Or maybe it's hearing the whisper together. Maybe you've been trying to figure out things on your own. Maybe God is gonna bring some righteous people to you to co-discern together. So for today, right now, look at this and just pick one of those and say, God, I wanna begin this conversation with you because I wanna know you more. Because what happens is when we do these things, God reveals himself in such unique and powerful ways. We see that he draws near. We see that he speaks to us. We see that he reveals something within us, within other people. He gives us hope. He gives us a future. And it all starts in this place of beginning to hear this whisper. And so for you, name one of those areas in in your heart. And you can begin engaging with him in those ways. For you, if you want to be active, if you want to kind of bust out of the cave, maybe. You're like, man, I've been in hiding. I've been in isolation way too long. We're gonna have a prayer team on the sides right here to pray for you. We also have this prayer station in the back. If you're like, man, this is a way of me confessing my need to God, the pain that I'm in, and I'm going to write up a promise declaring that this is going to come true. This will happen for me. This is a promise of God, and I'm going to live into the truth, not into the lie or the space that I am in. And we're also gonna take communion as a way to say, Jesus, you were broken before us. Your blood was poured out to us. You're showing us this vulnerability. And so now we come to you with vulnerability and say, we wanna hear from you. We wanna know you. We wanna follow you. We wanna be this sheep that hear your voice and follow you and know that you're so close that we can't be snatched from your hand. So I'm gonna pray for us. Some of you can stay here and just look at these things and pray into these things, maybe open up your hands. Some of you can get up and move around and grab communion or prayer or move to the station in the back, whatever you feel. They're gonna play some kind of instrumental stuff as you move around, and then they're gonna sing, we're gonna sing a couple more songs. So let me pray for us. Jesus, we want to know you. Jesus, we don't want to just know about you. The problems that we face, yes, sin is a very real thing. That stems from a broken relationship with you. And so, Lord, we want to know you. We want to know you more. Reveal yourself to us. We know that you're here. We know that you're close. We know that you don't want to force your way into our hearts, but right now, Lord, we're saying, please, come into our hearts. Renew us this morning. We want to go on a journey with you. It's a new day. It's a new morning. We want to walk with you afresh. We're tired of the the cycle maybe that we've been on for a while. Lord, break us out of this. Let us go on an adventure with you. Speak to us in our jobs. Speak to us in our homes. Speak to us with our families. Speak to us personally as we're moving about our day. We don't want today just to be another day. We want it to be a day that we are guided by you as your sheep 
that we would move as you move. We will go where you go. Break us out of our comfort zone, our expectations to follow you this morning. We ask you to speak now, Lord. We're listening. Give us the ears to hear Holy Spirit.